You are listening to a Natural Products Insider Podcast. With Sandy Almendares, Editor-in-Chief. Brought to you by Supply Side West, November 6 through 10 in Las Vegas. Welcome to a Supply Side West edition of the Healthy Insider Podcast. I'm Sandy, and on the phone, I have Jeremy Appleton. He is a naturopathic physician, and we are going to talk about mood and the microbiome. So Jeremy will be speaking at the Supply Side West workshop, delivering mental clarity, formulations to fight anxiety and stress. This is on Friday, November 9th at 2 p.m., so we do hope that you can join us on site in Las Vegas at Supply Side West. Um, Before we get started, I'll give a little bit of background on Jeremy. Um, He has authored numerous articles and books on topics in evidence-based natural medicine. He has been on the faculty of the National University of Natural Medicine in Portland, Oregon. He was the nutrition department chair from 1998 to 2003. He was also on faculty at Baxter University in Washington. Currently, he is vice president of scientific and education for Claire Labs. So welcome, Jeremy, and thank you so much for joining me. Hey, thanks for for having me. Pleasure. Well, let's dig into it. So what has recent research shown about the connection between the digestive health and cognitive health? Well, this is truly a fascinating area that I've been following for a couple of years now. Uh, I wear different hats, but in my role in the supplement industry, I am uh, very in, very much involved with new product development in the probiotics area. And so uh, when we were looking to innovate uh, a new product in this area, one of the really exciting areas where we were seeing uh, research uh, accelerate and proliferate is the notion of the gut-brain axis. That is to say, could the uh, commensal microbiome that's in our uh, in our gut, in our, largely in our large intestine, uh, could that influence mood? And if so, uh, how does it do it? What are the what are the pathways and mechanisms by which uh, activities in the gut can uh, influence mood and brain hormones and neurotransmitters, and vice versa? How does the brain uh, control the gut? We actually know a lot more about how the brain controls you know, motility functions and so forth in the gut. But uh, a lot less had been known about what influence the gut might have on the brain. And now there's been a a real explosion of research in this area. And the first clinical trials have begun to emerge in the last few years uh, showing a direct connection between uh, probiotics and the microbiome and mood. And so this has become a really interesting area for new product development. It's become a really interesting area for uh, healthcare practitioners who are looking to use probiotics and and other supplements that modulate function in the GI tract uh, for a more holistic approach to treating mood rather than simply trying to, say, suppress a processing of a neurotransmitter using a, a targeted pharmaceutical agent. Well, we are all for holistic health here. Um, <laughs> there, recently, there's been talk of a new class of probiotics known as psychobiotics. What are these and what effects do they have on human health? Well, the 
this this gut brain axis that connects the microbiota in our gut uh, with our brains uh, does in fact uh, respond. It turns out, according to new newer clinical research, it does respond to supplementation with particular types of organisms. So uh, that was the obvious question. Once all of the the mechanistic uh, pathways were established, and those you know those are um, you know, the actual nerves that connect the brain and the gut, and then the sort of endocrine and immune pathways um, uh, also connecting uh, the, the brain and the gut. And once those pathways were understood, the, the question then became, well, could we administer probiotics and have an effect on mood? And that's uh, that's really the million-dollar question. The answer that's starting to come out is yes. So in the last couple of years, we've started to see this frontier of research edging into or the mainstream, you know, scientific awareness, if you will. You know, not without some skepticism. Uh, you know, the supplement industry tends to be very exuberant about new possibilities, and they uh, sometimes that exuberance has a rational basis, and sometimes it doesn't. But this really does look like, uh, from the emerging uh, clinical trials that are coming, that that this class of probiotics, which are, are being called psychobiotics, that there's actually something to them. We've, we've established there's robust evidence for mechanisms by which the bacteria could shape our neurobiologic and neuropsychiatric health. So now we're at the point where, well, what are the clinical tactics for modulating the gut bacteria? You know, obviously, you can supplement with probiotics. Which ones? Which strains uh, uh, do we want to focus on? And, and do those have demonstrable effects on mental health? And the answer appears to be yes. The, the uh, modulating the intestinal microbiome using supplements with probiotics does appear to alter mood and other neurologic conditions. The evidence, I would say the clinical evidence on the whole, is still in what we would call the emerging phase. There have been very few clinical trials. Uh, that have, that have begun to investigate these effects. It's not zero. There have been some. Mostly, they're looking at depression and anxiety. And um, in uh, well, last year, there was uh, the first systematic review of research uh, done by Carolyn Wallace and um, and her colleague, and they looked at a number of studies. Uh, Ten, I believe, met their inclusion criteria. Five were looking at overall mood. Seven were looking at anxiety. Three were looking at cognition. And overall, they found that that the studies are uh, showing that a positive impact on, uh, particularly on depressive symptoms. And uh, so there are uh, other clinical trials that have, you know, one of them, for example, that was included in this is one that was of particular interest to me. Um, because we developed a product around it, um, and this was uh, a combination of uh, probiotic bacteria looking to see if uh, it could be given proactively to healthy people to uh, more of as a, as a preventive, right? Uh, part of the reason that people choose supplements and choose natural therapies is often to avoid having to go down the road of drugs. Say, for example, if you somebody is prone to depression, um, you know, uh, and, and there are ways to, to measure that proneness. Uh, do you want to just jump straight to giving them 
you know, an SSRI, Prozac, or something like that? Or are there other more supportive things that can be done uh, to help them prevent having to um, use those m more intense interventions? And uh, in fact, uh, so th they looked at uh, giving probiotics and, and uh, the effects on cognitive reactivity to sad mood, which as it turns out, is a predictor of later development of depression. So everybody gets sad, but not everybody uh, gets really stuck there and starts to go into rumination and aggressive thinking. And those who do, that, that's an indicator that they might later be at risk for depression. So these authors used uh, uh, a combination of probiotic strains, it's like a nine strain combination, at a fairly low dose, only 5 billion uh, CFU or colony forming units per day. And they were able to demonstrate a reduction in this um, uh, particular susceptibility towards depression. Uh, so that's a super interesting clinical trial as far as I'm concerned. And it's one of the first of its kind to actually demonstrate uh, not only clinical efficacy, but they, they were also able to demonstrate a, a number of mechanistic aspects in, in earlier animal research about how exactly the probiotic is doing this. And it turns out it's doing it through, through a variety of mechanisms. It's very um, impactful on barrier function, so the, the gut epithelial barrier uh, in the small intestine turns out to be very important. And when we have what, what is known as leaky gut, when that, the, the integrity of that barrier is somewhat compromised, uh, certain substances can leak across into the bloodstream, most notably um, lipopolysaccharides, which come off of the cell walls of some uh, disease-causing bacteria that can inhabit our gut. And when we give the good bacteria, we compete out uh, with those bad bacteria, and we also help to um, actually close the gap, if you will, in the leaky gut. And so these probiotics that were, these strains that were selected were selected on the basis of their ability to do that, to, to reduce the, or to increase the, the trans-epithelial electrical resistance, the, the tightness of the uh, connection of those cells. Uh, they were also selected on their basis uh, ability to modulate cytokines to stabilize mast cells. All of these turn out to be very important in terms of their neurochemical and, uh, uh, effects and their effects on neurohormones. So we're starting to connect the dots through the mechanisms uh, and on into clinical research to demonstrate the efficacy of this new class of probiotics or psychobiotics. So I find that a very exciting area of uh, of study, and it's one that uh, we are certainly uh, responding to in our new product development initiatives. Yeah, that is very interesting. So the the studies you mentioned, a couple of them, you mentioned that there was there were combinations of probiotic strains. But is there a specific genus or species of probiotic that's proving to be a front runner on the positive effects on mood? Um, well. <laughs> Um, in, in this case, uh, the, the, you could certainly uh, narrow it down to, um, say, for example, the bifidobacteria and the lactobacilli. That doesn't tell you a lot because that's 90% 90, 90 of the probiotics that are out there anyway. Um, B. bifidum and uh, L. acidophilus uh, 
you know, turn out to be important. But um, what I need to say about this is strain matters. Uh, this, uh, the more research we get, the more we realize that um, even within a particular genus and species, you might have some very di big differences uh, in terms of strain uh, efficacy. So, for example, with this one formula I was talking about, which was called ecologic barrier, uh, developed by the Winklow people in Amsterdam, uh, they they looked at several different strains of L. acidophilus. Some of them had uh, a very dramatic effect on this trans uh, epithelial electrical resistance, which is the, the measure of barrier function, and others didn't. So when they chose their particular formula, they had already done some specific, some strain selection based upon that. And if you think there are important differences, say, for example, from person to person, you know, you're 99.9% .9 genetically similar to the person sitting next to you. But I'd still wager that there are big differences between you and that person, right? I mean, I'm, we're 96% we're genetically similar to a chimpanzee, 60% genetically similar to a banana, right? <laughs> so you can't necessarily say, oh, well, just because these two are in the same genus and species, they're necessarily going to have the same effect. They might. But we assume strain specificity um, and, and uh, unless it's shown otherwise, right? We assume that the, the benefit is, inheres to the, to the strain where that evidence is. And um, yes, we can extrapolate to some extent. And, and yes, it is possible that other, um, you know, strains of acidophilus might be beneficial. But in this case, the the strain does matter and the, the evidence of efficacy is on a particular combination. So I would not, uh, I, I would be hesitant to say all, all probiotics are good for gut brain health or all probiotic or even all, all examples of this particular genus and species are. Now, you really need to be able to uh, demonstrate it at a strain specific level. So of course we talk about probiotics, but besides for probiotics, are there other ingredients that have shown positive effects on mood via improving the microbiome? Well, um, certainly on, on mood, not necessarily directly through the microbiome. Although, as I say, mm -hmm. if, you, if you can, uh, anything that affects gut health is going to potentially uh, influence the microbiome. Um, and, and, uh, you know, if you have an, uh, an anti-inflammatory effect, that's going to affect the microbiome. That's going to affect gut permeability. So one uh, uh, does expect to see some antidepressant activities going along with anti-inflammatory activities. Uh, in fact, th there's there's old data from just the the drug trials where if you give somebody uh, traditional like uh, NSAID type medications, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, that they that it actually improves some of their depressive symptoms. Now all, all the mechanisms have been worked out for that. So when I give um, nutrients, uh, yes, certainly I, I we want to um, to pay attention to their effects on the microbiome, but we also want to look at nutrients. I like to look at nutrients that have their own inherent effects uh, that that are um, independent of the microbiome. So, for example, another strategy I really like to do is, is nutritional support for cells in the nervous system. And specifically, when we think about um, 
cell-to-cell -cell communication and 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 the health of of uh, nerve cells and and uh, neurons, uh, we have to think about phospholipids and that phospholipid bilayer that's part of the cell membrane and the health of that. And we know. Uh, for example, phosphatidylserine is, an, is a, a phospholipid, and it's less abundant than, say, phosphatidylcholine or, or the other ones. It's only about two, somewhere between two and ten percent of the body's total phospholipids. But we, it's critical for uh, a number of uh, functions in the body, including uh, neurologic health and the, the fluid maintaining that, that sort of fluid mosaic of cell membranes and supporting cellular communication. And as a result, there have been quite a few clinical trials that have demonstrated that phosphatidylserine supplementation supports a cognitive function. There, it's been given uh, to kids with attention deficit and, and impulsivity problems and was well tolerated, no adverse effects, and, and, and caused improvements in their behavior. Um, it's been given to people, you know, 20 to 45 years old range, uh, in, in the range of 400 to 800 milligrams a day, uh, who were under extreme mental stress, and uh, and it was actually the lower dose group that that they had improvements in, in mental stress. Uh, they've given phosphatidylserine to golfers, and they've improved their golf game. They've given it to people and shown that it that it reduces their cortisol. So it seems to have an anti-stress uh, function. They've given it to elderly people, and um, and shown um, uh, uh, better function, uh, cognitive function as as people age. And so uh, that's certainly one of the uh, nutrients that that I think about. Uh, another one is uh, acetyl L-carnitine, and this is important because it involves uh, well. We, all of these are important because they can directly cross the blood-brain barrier and get into the brain, um, and that that's important. Um, uh, Acetyl-L-carnitine is is really important because uh, it helps with the transport of fatty acids, and it has antioxidant uh, and protective effects over nerve cells and improves their sort of energy production, if you will. And so it, it can be helpful for cardiovascular health. But most importantly, for for neurovascular health and improving cognitive function in the elderly. And there's quite a few clinical trials uh, on acetyl L-carnitine for that. And then the the last one that I would mention um, is uh, is citicoline, also known as CDP choline. And this is a, a mono. It's it, it's a, it's a form of choline, but it's it's a mononucleotide form. And um, it is a compound that occurs naturally in the human body, and it's it's involved in the synthesis of, of one of these other nutrients I was just talking about, phosphatidylcholine. So CDB choline, CDP choline is made used to make the body the body uses it to make phosphatidylcholine. And um, so when you give it, uh, you're you're helping to support these cell membranes um, by accelerating the body's Making of the phospholipids, and so initially, and this was this this was introduced as a drug a uh, long time ago, um, decades ago, and to support uh, cerebrovascular circulation and recovery. And they, in fact, they they found that um, it was very effective in, in a lot of that earlier research. And it's it's now been studied in, in literally tens of thousands of human subjects. And demonstrated beneficial effects in, in increasing cerebral blood flow, 
helping people recover from brain trauma, promoting oxygen supply to brain tissue, uh, supporting cognitive and motor functions, learning, memory. Uh, it's even helpful for people who have uh, abuse, substance abuse problems, because obviously there's something a little messed up with their, you know, their dopamine and serotonin balance in the brain. Um, it, it helps with visual acuity. So there, there have really been uh, many, many clinical trials over over the last four decades, and uh, um, uh, I find this to be a very exciting. Uh, ingredient. In fact, there have been so many studies that there are now multiple meta-analyses of all of the clinical studies that have been um, conducted. So it's it's one of those nutrients that I feel especially um, confident in recommending because of the extensive uh, evidence in support of its efficacy and safety. By contrast, the whole notion of the psychobiotics or the psychomicrobiotics, these probiotic, um, you know, they, they are still very much in the emerging phase. So while I'm very excited about that clinical research, you have to understand that the level of data in support of, of things like, you know, citicoline is, you know, there's there's a hundred times more clinical data in support of that, and it's also just one substance. So it's a lot easier to study uh, as compared with just saying probiotics, which you know every single strain is different uh, potentially, you know, and so there, and then the, and then the combinations as well. So it's going to be a lot harder to track and make and make really declarative statements about probiotics in the same way that you would about citicoline. But I, I find that the that they're both fascinating areas and uh, and certainly complementary too. Someone could could do both, right? They could provide the sort of nutritional support to the nervous structures themselves, and they could also provide the microbiome support. There's a lot of different ways to uh, to skin a cat in this case, but those are those are two angles that I that I like to come at. So you you may have already sort of mentioned this, but uh, in your in your discussion of how the the research on psychobiotics is still growing, but uh, what is the next Step for researchers studying nutrients benefits to both mood and the microbiome. Well, I, I you know, this is um, this is an area that where the research is expanding so rapidly, very few people can. I don't know anybody who can really keep up with it. I, I've attended some specialty conferences about probiotic research, about uh, the gut-brain axis specifically. I've spoken at uh, such conferences and. Um, the the diversity of inquiry and and areas of inquiry is is tr tremendous, right? There are especially the uh, at the level of understanding all of the details around mechanisms of action, digging in and understanding um, the metabolomics and the genomics of of the thing, uh, understanding um, details about these um, these pathways. You know, uh, for example, that the um, how do uh, the the biologically active peptides from endoendocrine enteroendocrine cells, um, things like uh, ghrelin and galanin, how are they um, stimulated? How is their release modulated by uh, individual probiotic bacteria? That's one tiny question. Uh, in the sort of humoral or metabolic area, 
uh, I think there's there's going to be a lot of research um, on short chain fatty acids. Now we know about short chain fatty acids because they're the food, if you will, the, the fuel for enterocytes, the cells lining the intestines. Uh, you know, the, the probiotic bacteria digest um, fibers that we cannot digest, and they produce these short chain fatty acids like butyrate. And then those cells use that preferentially as fuel. And so the health of the uh, brush border, the health of the, uh, the uh, cells lining the small intestine is very much dependent upon that, that metabolic activity of the, of the bacteria. But it turns out that short chain fatty acids have activities way beyond that. They themselves can stimulate the nervous system. They themselves can cross the blood-brain barrier. Um, they're implicated in the development of autism. They can regulate the the uh, uh, brain development and the and and the, the microglia. They can um, they're capable of of acting on their own as um, immunomodulatory compounds or stimulating the production of other ones like dopamine and GABA and histamine and acetylcholine. So there's so many areas where just understanding what the, the potential humoral effects of these, uh, uh, of these bacteria are and, and, and what they're actually doing in the body. I think that's where most of the research is going to be. Personally, I want to see more clinical trials. I expect to see that as well. Um, but we'll probably see you know, a ratio of 10 or 100 to 1 mechanistic studies to clinical outcome studies. That ratio is probably going to shift now more and more towards the clinical now that it's been, you know, the, the mechanistic stuff is is much more well established. Uh, and we'll see we'll see both well, both types of studies emerging. But um, there's so much left to understand about how they work um, and not just that they work and what they work for. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Appleton. It's clear that you have a wealth of knowledge in the area. Well, thanks for having me. It's uh, always a pleasure, and I look forward to seeing people at uh, Supply Side West. And for those who are going to Supply Side West, please make sure you go to the Delivering Mental Clarity workshop where uh, Dr. Appleton will be speaking. That's on Friday, November 9th at 2 p.m. For more award-winning podcasts from industry experts, go to insider.com and click in the podcast section. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts by searching Healthy Insider Podcast. Hit subscribe to never miss an episode. To join the conversation about the supplement industry, leave a comment on the podcast's Twitter, Facebook, or SoundCloud accounts. This episode has been brought to you by Supply Side West, November 6th through 10 in Las Vegas.